Chapter thirty seven of Joan Thursday by Lewis Joseph Vance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Mapperard. With peculiar irony, the passing of that pallid, vague, and ineffectual character, Mrs. Thursby, proved the signal for the dissolution of the family which, denying her both respect and affection during her life, had none the less lost in losing her its sole motive or excuse for unity. The return from the cemetery was accomplished toward noon of a July day whose heavily overcast sky seemed only to act as a blanket over the city, compressing its heated and humid atmosphere until the least exertion was to be indulged in only at the cost of saturated clothing the four were crowded in common misery within a shabby stuffy undertaker's growler thursby occupied the back seat with his eldest daughter notwithstanding the fact that since apprising her of her mother's death the morning of her return he had addressed no word to her directly he sat now with fat and mottled hands resting on his knees his waistcoat unbuttoned exposing soiled linen his dull and heavy gaze steadfastly directed through the window opposite him on the forward seat edna wept silently and incessantly into a black-bordered handkerchief butch beside her looked serious and depressed in a suit of black clothing borrowed for the occasion nobody spoke from the time they re-entered the carriage after the burial until they left it joan huddled herself into her corner putting all possible space between herself and her father a sense of lassitude was heavy upon her she meditated vaguely on the strangeness of life its inscrutable riddle the enigma of its brief and feverish transit from black oblivion through light to black oblivion but the problem only wearied her she dropped it from time to time and tried to think of other things as a rule this resulted in her speculations centering about butch the boy mystified her awed her a little with a suggestion of spirit and strength character and intelligence conveyed by a forceful yet unassuming manner it was a new manner strangely developed in the year that spaced her knowledge of him only to be explained by his sudden determination to go seriously to work and make something of himself and the motive for that remained inexplicable and would ever as far as concerned joan for the personal reticence that had always sealed his cynical mouth was more than ever characteristic of the boy to-day and the sympathy which once had existed between himself and joan was become a thing of yesterday and as if it had never been his attitude toward her was touched with just a colour of contempt almost too faint to be resented she shrank from it feeling that he saw through her shallowness that he knew her not as marbridge knew her perhaps or as billy salute but thoroughly and intimately and far better than she would ever know herself she knew now through edna that within the last twelvemonth butch had learned his trade of chauffeur and pursued it with such diligence that aside from being the main support of the family which she had deserted he was half owner of his taxicab and in a way to acquire an interest in a small garage 
when the carriage stopped the father was the first to alight with no word or look for either of his daughters and only a semi-articulate growl for butch to the effect that they'd see one another again at dinner he pulled his rusty derby well forward over his haggard haunted eyes thrust his hands deep into trouser pockets and slouched ponderously away in the direction of his newsstand before he turned the avenue corner joan looking after him while she waited for butch to settle with the driver saw thursby produce his packet of dope and moistening a thumb began to con it as he plodded on so pursuing his passion to the end he passed forever from her life yet never altogether from her memory in which as time matured the girl his inscrutable personality assumed the character of a symbol of aborted destiny what he had been whence he had sprung what he might have become she never learned then preceded by edna followed by butch she climbed for the last time those weary stairs arrived in the flat butch shut himself into his room to change to working clothes he could not afford to waste an afternoon he said joan and edna sat down in the dark and dismal dining-room conferring in hushed voices until he rejoined them he came forth presently the inevitable cigarette drooping from his thin hard lips and sat down his spare wiry body looking uncommonly well set up and capable in the chauffeur's livery after a little hesitation joan mustered up courage to say her say if with something nearly approaching appeal in the way that she addressed this taciturn and self-sufficient man who had replaced her loaferish brother i've been telling edna she said that i'm going to take care of her from now on that's so butch exhaled twin jets of smoke from his nostrils how he inquired without prejudice well she's coming to live with me where i don't know i'm leaving where you found me by the way how did you know where to look for me butch seen you one day when you was living in the astoria inn there's a dairy lunch on the ground floor where i generally eat after that i kept an eye on you oh said joan thoughtfully wondering how much that eye had seen of the brief but lurid existence she had led before coming partially to her senses and moving to share hattie morrison's lodgings well i'll find a good place and edna can stay with me and act as my maid until she's old enough to find something to do for herself on the stage eh i guess so i'm getting on you know chances are i could give her a boost butch shook his head nothing doing why he was unmoved by the flash of hostility in joan's manner i guess he said after a deliberate pause we don't have to go into that anyway i got other plans for edna she's going to the country upstate to spend the summer on a farm family of a fellow i know after that if she's strong enough she can come back and keep house for me if she wants to or go to work any way she chooses that's not my business only understand me she isn't going to go into the chorus until she's old enough to know what she's doing and strong enough to stand the racket that's settled rising he jerked the stub of his cigarette through the air-shaft window and slowly drew on his gauntlets 
you do what packin' you want kid he advised edna before three o'clock this afternoon i'll be back for you then your train leaves at four you'll travel along with the mother of this friend of mine mrs simmons her name is as he had said the matter was settled joan conceded the point without bickering with indeed a feeling of mean relief moreover she was afraid of butch the flat in fiftieth street had gained associations insufferably hateful she returned to it only long enough to pack up and move out incidentally she found read and destroyed without answering a note from fowey suggesting an assignation her paradoxical dislike for the man had deepened into detestation she both hoped and intended never to see him again she moved before nightfall leaving no address and established herself in an inexpensive but reputable boarding establishment little frequented by the class of theatrical people with which she was acquainted and where repetition of her escapade was impossible on the third day following she began rehearsing privately with gloucester and threw into the work all she could muster of strength patience and intelligence leaving herself at the end of each day's work too exhausted in mind and body to indulge in any of the pleasures to which her tastes inclined Folly, unable to trace her and seeing nothing of the girl in those restaurants and places of amusement she had been wont to frequent in time gave up the chase and before the first presentation of mrs mixer the newspaper supplied joan with the news of his clandestine marriage and subsequent flight to europe with a widow whose fortune doubtless promised compensation for the fact that she had a son nearly as old as her latest husband End of chapter thirty seven